Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Who brought their Bible with them? If you've got your Bible, can you open with me? I want to preach um, a word for you this morning from Acts 12. And uh, I'm going to talk, uh, we're going to talk a little bit this morning about prayer. And in fact, today we're going to look at prayer. And tonight I'm going to preach a different sermon um, surrounding prayer. Um, because I'm someone who really genuinely believes in the power of prayer. I don't believe that prayer is just um, a religious ritual or something that we just do because the Bible says we're meant to do it. I believe that is powerful. I believe that when you pray things in Jesus' name, that situations turn around. I believe that, that things shift. I believe that you, you, you can set things on a different track. You can change the, the path or, or, or the direction that you're heading through powerful prayer. And, uh, and I think it's, uh, it's something that we need to constantly be reminded of um, in, in, uh, in, in our Christian walk is that prayer does things. And when you're praying, whatever it is, when you're praying, driving in your car, when you're praying before you begin the day, know that your prayers are shifting things and, uh, and it's powerful. I want to look at this story and for sake of time, I'm not going to sort of read the whole story, but I'm going to pull different parts of this story out. But it begins in Acts 12 verse 1. Um, and I want to sort of talk you through it real quickly. It's the story where Peter is being put in prison. Um, what has actually happened is Herod has gone out and Herod's on a bit of a rampage at this point. He's, he's uh, pretty annoyed with, with, uh, with what's going on. And so he's killing off um, disciples and apostles and he's getting crazy. And, and it starts off by saying that, that Herod, the, 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 the Bible says in, in chapter 12, verse 1 in, in the New King James, it talks about like this, that Herod stretched out his hand against James and what happened was he beheaded James and James was killed and then it said he was moving on now part of his next plan was to reach out to Peter and to take out Peter so Herod arrests Peter and puts Peter in prison and it says because of the, the celebration the Jewish celebration and the time that it was it said that he held off um, on on killing Peter and he said let's keep him in prison until the end of the Jewish celebration then when the end of the celebration happens, we're going to kill him. But the Bible says that if you read through the story and you can look at it later, but it says that while this is happening to Peter, while Peter is in prison awaiting his fate of, of about to being beheaded, there was a group of praying people. And the Bible says that it says that there was constant prayer. Constant prayer was going up. Over was being sent out from this group of, of people, group of church people, a group of people that got together that believed that their prayers were able to shift things and that their prayers were able to shift circumstances. It's interesting that the story starts talking about the beheading of James and we don't hear of anyone praying for James. We don't hear, I don't know whether they did or not, but the Bible doesn't talk about anyone that was praying for James. But there were a group of people that were praying for Peter. And even though the enemy had an assignment out over Peter's life, Herod had said, I've killed James and now I'm about to kill Peter. But there was a group of praying people. And as these people got together and prayed, they had an, they had an old school prayer meeting where people got excited. I'm one of those people... 
Um, and I'm not, I don't want to, you know, I've got to be careful here because you don't have to be noisy when you pray. But I'm one of those people. I like getting in a prayer meeting where people are excited to pray. And hear me, you know, some people are like, well, I like to pray quietly. And that's awesome. Pray quietly. But I'm the type of person where I like to get around someone that believes in what they're praying about enough that they're not afraid to make a little bit of noise and get a little bit. I'm not, I'm not talking about hyping it up. But what I'm talking about is someone that is passionate enough about what they're praying for and they believe it enough in their heart that they don't know how to keep it quiet. I've been to for I've been to some of these NBA games that that we have up in up in uh, well you have them everywhere but I've been up to the Staples Centers a, a few times I've not seen I've never seen a crazy passionate I mean a person that's all about you know the dudes that paint their face you know the dudes that, that you see them walking in and you're like bro that's just too much man but I've never seen a guy come in dressed head to toe face painted Passionate. He's there to he's there to root for his team. He's he's he follows the team. He's into it. He knows the players. He knows everything that's going on. And he gets in and he sits down and he just sits there and just says nothing. I've never seen that. You know those people. You know the ones coming in. They're dressed head to toe, and you know that the moment that game starts, this bro's about to blow the place up. They're the type of people, and I hear my heart, I'm not talking about hyping something, but I'm talking about someone that is passionate. The Bible says out of the overflow or out of the abundance of what's going on inside is going to come out of your mouth. This was, this was a type of prayer meeting that was going on. So they have this prayer meeting and the Bible says that Peter, Peter's in prison, Peter's sleeping. Do sleeping in prison. The Bible says that he was chained. He had, he had a soldier on one side and a soldier on the other and he was chained to them. But the Bible says that in the middle of Peter being asleep in the middle of prison while this prayer meeting is going on in another place, God shows up in the prison. And the Bible says that an angel shows up and it says an angel struck Peter's side. And I looked at that. It actually means the angel hit him. Hit him on the side. Woke him up. Peter, the angel had to hit him, wake him up from his sleep. And it says that the angel spoke to Peter and said, arise. And it said, when Peter woke up and Peter arose, these chains that were holding him, the Bible says that the chains just fell off that easy. It wasn't, it, this, is, this is a story in the Bible. It just, the chains just fell off. And in fact, it was so crazy in this story. Look at it later. It says it, Peter didn't know what was going on. Peter, Peter gets up, dude's still half asleep, chains have fallen off. So much so the guy got up butt naked because the angel said to him, listen, before we get out of this prison, you better get some clothes on. <laughs> Look at the story. It says, bro, wrap yourself up. Peter's, Peter's walking around the prison butt naked about to walk out. The angel says, you're not going nowhere like that. You've got to get dressed, man. So dude, it's in the, you read it. It's in, so, so the Bible says that Peter gets, Peter gets dressed. He's still half asleep. And he starts walking out and the Bible starts, start, the, the, Bible, the, the Bible says that the angel leads him through different pathways and throughout the, the, the prison to get him out of the prison. And then it says it wasn't until he sort of, he went through a few doorways and a few aisles and, and now he starts to make his way out of the prison. The Bible says that he, Peter came to, he, he woke up and he, he, he thought he was dreaming. What had just happened in his life was so great, was so 
powerful that, that it shocked Peter. It, 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 this is when I read this, I started praying that over my life and I said, God, I pray that I experience miracles this year that will shock me. Miracles this year that are going to be not what I expected. Things that are going to happen in, in my family, in my life, in my finances, in, in what I'm walking in. I'm going to look and say, is this really happening to me? Remember I talked last week about stupid blessing. Stupid. How many grabbed that? How many? Remember just stupid things. You're like, is this for real? This is, this is what happened to Peter. And then the story says that Peter, he, he went to where they were praying. And what they would do is they would have the, the, had a room, but then there was an outer, an outer court sort of area, if you like, outer garden area that, 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 was, that was guarded, but there was a gate there. And the Bible says that Peter came up to the gate that's surrounding the house where the people are praying. And Peter's knocking on the gate. They're in there praying for a miracle, but they don't even know their miracle's at the gate already. And, and they're praying for it. And, and then he's knocking at the gate. And then this little girl, this little girl hears the noise. Everyone else is too busy praying. They're the crazy prayers. That, and, and the little girl hears this noise and says, is anyone going to get the door? So she, she runs out. And, and the Bible says that, that she can't see Peter, but it says that she recognises Peter's voice. And she puts two and two together. She says, hang on a second, these dudes are praying for Peter. But Peter's here. She starts piecing it together. She's a smart kid. She starts working it out. She's like, why are we praying when... And so she says, they don't ever know it yet. So she gets something. She gets something. This little kid gets something before those that are praying. And so when she gets it, she goes, she goes running back and she says, hey, she shut the prayer meeting down. The miracle's here. She says, stop praying. I don't know if she, you know, she's a kid. She's one of the kids that, you know, the mum has dragged the kid along to the prayer meeting. Yeah, how many of you, you know what that was like? I remember mum and dad dragging me along to prayer meetings. Man, you're just waiting. Everyone else is praying for the miracle. You're praying for the prayer meeting to finish. You know what I mean? You're like, Jesus, please do whatever it is they're asking. Can you do it now and do it quick? Because I want to go home. Maybe that's what's going on with this girl. Maybe that's, maybe she was sitting there looking for the miracle, so desperately wanted Peter to show up. This poor little kid wants to go home. She wants out of there. But she runs back. She says, the miracle's there and they're praying. But the problem was that there wasn't enough faith. They were sort of praying, but they, it sort of looks like they didn't actually believe that God was able to do what it was that they were praying for. Because when they look at the little girl, they say, you're crazy. They say, don't be, the interpretation for it is you're mad. You gone mad. You, you almost like you're believing for for, for stupid thing. You, that's crazy. You, you're out of your mind. But then the girl insisted. She says, "No, no, no. I heard him. I heard him." And she kept persisting, saying, "No, no, no. I heard him. The guy, the, the thing that you're praying for. I heard it. I heard what you're praying. What you're believing for is here." And so they finally give in, the story says, and they go up to the gate and they open the gate and there's their miracle. I want to talk to you surrounding this story about, and, and if you want a sermon title, I'm talking about the miracle at the gate, but I want to preach to you a little bit about what prayer does. The first thing about prayer is you have to understand prayer is, a, is the great, I call it the great interrupter. Prayer is an interrupter. As I said, the enemy, the Bible said that, that Herod had killed James. And he was moving on. A part of his plan 
was to stretch out his hand over Peter. In fact, he was in the process of doing that. He had arrested Peter and the plan was that he was going to take Peter out. But there was some praying people and because of their prayers, it interrupted the plans of the enemy. I want to tell you that prayer will interrupt hell over your life. Prayer, your prayers, you have the ability when you pray things and you declare things, you don't have to know great words. You don't have to know crazy Scripture. All you need to do is pray something in the name of Jesus Christ and through the blood of Jesus, it'll interrupt the enemy's plans over your life and over your family. I like to pray this when I pray. I pray often and when I pray, I say, I cancel the enemy's assignment over this situation. You've got to understand that when you pray, you are interrupting hell's plan. There's a great story in, uh, in Isaiah 38 verse 1, but we won't turn there for sake of time. But it's a story of Hezekiah and the Bible says that Hezekiah, he's about to die. He's over. It's all over. But the Bible talks about this incredible prayer that Hezekiah prays where it says that he turns and he faces the wall. I like that picture of him turning and facing the wall as if to say he's shutting out every other distraction. I'm going to shut out this situation. I'm going to face the wall. I'm not going to let anything else speak to me but what God is saying to me. And the Bible says that he prayed and because of what he prayed, that years, the Bible says years were added to his life. I think it was 15 years were added to his life. In other words, there was an interruption that took place. When you pray, when you pray and you declare things over your life and you cancel, you cancel assignments over your life, you've got to recognise when it's time to interrupt the devil. You've got to not allow what the devil's trying to do in your family and in your workplace and in your mind. You've got to not allow him to just continue to do what he's trying to do. Some of you, you let the devil come into your home and you get angry and you get frustrated and you get annoyed, but you don't do the one thing that's going to shut down the enemy's plan and that's getting on your knees before God and declaring that you are cancelling the enemy's assignment. Declare that there's no weapon formed against you. is going to prosper. You interrupt hell's plan over your life. Some of you have got to make a decision. Parents, you've got to start to interrupt hell's plan over your kids. I know we talk a lot about the enemy, about God's plan for our life, which is true. But John 10.10 tells us that the enemy also has a plan for our lives. His plan, his plan, he has a blueprint for your life that he plans to do. It's to kill, steal and destroy. But how do you shut, I'm telling you church, you shut down those plans. The other thing I like to do is as well, I speak confusion into the enemy's plans. I pray, you ever, you ever try to plan to do something and there's confusion, you can't seem to move forward? I'm declaring that over your life, that the enemy's plans, there's going to be so much confusion that what he's trying to do over your life and over your family and over your business, those demons are not going to know what the heck's going on. They're going to be running around all disorganised, not knowing what they're doing and nothing is going to eventuate. Why? Because of the power of prayer. Someone thank God for the power that we have through praying in the name of Jesus. 
I cancel those demonic assignments. I cancel those assignments over my mind, over my thinking. I shut down every demonic attack over your business, trying to hold back blessing. I shut down every spirit of lack over your family that's trying to stop the blessing of God. I shut down those assignments over your children. I bind that spirit of addiction now in Jesus Christ's Name. I cancel it. I speak confusion. I put the blood of Jesus Christ over that sickness. I declare that by your His stripes, we are healed in Jesus Christ's Name. Someone cancel the enemy's assignment over your life right now. There's power in it. There's power in it. You gotta understand when we pray, why listen, why do you think it's so hard to pray? Let's not talk about prayer like it's easy to do. And let me be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I've been doing ministry over now 12, 13 years. But listen, let me tell you, can I be honest? It's hard to pray sometimes. I was up this morning, I was, I was, I was rocking a, a six week old, bro, I'm bouncing this kid like crazy. But man, I'm, it's, listen, you know, it's, it's hard to pray. You wake up in the morning, you ever get motivated at church and think, man, I'm going to get up early and pray tomorrow morning. You walk out of service Sunday night and you're ready to roll. You're like, in Jesus' name, I'm going to be, I mean, you know when six o'clock comes? Come on, you're not feeling spiritual. And if you're telling me you are, you're a liar. Listen, you get up at six o'clock. I get up at six o'clock, man, I'm, it's difficult. Why is, it, why is it so easy to get up in the morning and have a coffee, but it's so hard to get up and pray? Because coffee's not going to interrupt hell. It'll make you feel good while you're praying. But the enemy, the enemy isn't threatened by your espresso that you're having in the morning. Starbuck doesn't rattle his cage one bit. When you make a decision to say, you know what? I'm going to get that coffee and I'm going to use that coffee to wake me up so I can pray and cancel some assignments against the enemy over my life. Well, that's why it's hard. That's why it's hard. The enemy's coming against it. It's not hard to get up and get ready and, and do everything else, but it's, it's prayer. It's reading the Word. These are the things that the enemy hates. They're the things he comes against. When you understand this power in your prayer, I remember going, I remember I was in, in school. I must have been 17 or 18. And, uh, and I, was, I was an out of control teenager and, uh, you know, rebellious. And I know none of you can comprehend that. And I, th- I appreciate that. Thank you. And... I was an out of control teenager, and I remember, I remember I got, I was in, I was driving my dad's car, and I was driving crazy, and I remember I was going around a corner, and and I lost it, and and the car tails fishtailed out and swerved, and I hit head on into a telephone pole, and I wrapped the, I wrapped the car around the telephone pole, I was trapped in the car, I couldn't get out, and I split my knee and split my head, and a whole range of things wrote the car off, and uh, and they took me ambulance, I went to hospital, and. And, uh, and it took me home and I was out. And the next day, I was, I was attending at that time, I was attending a Christian school. And, uh, and my, um, one of the welfare coordinators at the school, who was, who was also the, one of the maths teachers, and uh, he was a Christian man, loved the Lord and, and a praying man. And he walked into class um, the following day and, and uh, noticed that I wasn't in class because I was obviously in the hospital. And he said, to my, he said to my buddies, he said to my friends, he says, where's, uh, where's Ben? And they said he's had a car accident, and uh, and and my friends told me later on. They said when we said that to him, his whole his face went white, and he said, "Is he okay? What happened?" They said he's okay, but he's in the hospital, and 
Anyway, weeks and, and weeks had gone by and, and I was out of action. And then when I ended up going back to school, this, this teacher called me to his office and said, I want to talk, talk to you. And, uh, and he said, I need to tell you something. He said, the night that you had that car accident, I was asleep. And he says, I was sleeping and I woke up and I had a vivid dream that you died in a car accident. And he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need to pray for Ben right now. And he said, I pray. He said, I didn't know what was going on in your life, but I prayed and I said, God, protect him. God, I pray covering over him. He said, I come to school the next day and you're not here. And your friends tell me you had a car accident last night. But I want to tell you, when you what, what my teacher was doing, he was praying and he was interrupting. There was an interruption. There's an interrupt. You interrupt, you break it. And listen, sometimes you won't feel it. Sometimes we've watered down breakthrough in prayer to a feeling. It's not a feeling. You've got to understand it's a principle. When I pray, things happen, whether I feel it or not. It's praying in faith that things are shifting. It's an interruption. The other thing that prayer is, is prayer is peace bringing. Prayer will bring peace in a difficult situation. Look at Peter. I love Peter. Dude is in prison, sleeping. Naked. I mean, just chilling, like chained up, just sprawled out, just chilling, catching some Z's. He's got other people are praying, going crazy. The Bible says that he was sentenced to be executed the next day. Bro, if that was me, I would be going crazy. I'd be trying to box on with these guys beside me. I'd be, go, I'd be throwing around. I'd be, I'd be screaming. I'd be going nuts trying to get out. Peter's asleep. When you're someone who's a praying person, it'll give you a peace in your situation. The peace the Bible talks about that surpasses all of our understanding, which means, what does that mean? That means when our understanding, when it doesn't make sense that I should feel peace, the peace of God will give you peace in that moment. That's what prayer will do. It's peace bringing. Psalms 4 verse 8, it says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. There's a peace when we make a decision to pray. When we're praying people, we can pray. And when you can be in difficult situations and challenging times and not knowing what to do and pray and say, Lord, I need your peace. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as being the comforter and counsellor. I need your peace. God, I speak peace into this situation right now. Some of you need to do that over your home where there's disunity and where there's brokenness and where there's turmoil and torment. There's power when you speak. I speak the peace of God over that now. I speak the peace of God over my mind. Some of you that you can get rattled in situations and the enemy comes into your thinking and throws you off and you get anxious and you get stressed and you've got to declare the peace of God. And you've got to know in faith that when you pray it in Jesus' name, that it is happening and then know what it is to receive. God, I receive your peace. It's peace bringing. The other thing that happened in this story was once Peter was raised up. It says that, 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 it says that when the angel said to him, gird yourself, said, put on some clothes. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him. He did not know what was done by the angel was real. 
He thought he was seeing a vision. The angel, what happened in the story, the angel said, follow me. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to direct you. I'm going to show you where to go. It's not just peace giving prayer, but it's also step ordering. When you pray, the Bible says that the, third, that, the, that, the, that the steps of a righteous man, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. When you make a decision to be a prayerful person, to live a lifestyle of prayer, it's step ordering. Do you know that it's actually harder for a praying person with a heart after God to turn out of God's will than you realise? Hear me when I say this, it's harder. Some people are so fearful of doing something that God hasn't called them to do. Fearful of making a wrong decision. Fearful of not receiving everything God has for you. But I want to tell you this morning, if your heart is after God and you are a prayerful person, it is incredibly difficult for you to miss out on what God has for you. Because when you pray, When you pray, God, order my steps. I pray it every day. God, order the steps. Order my steps. Show me where to go. You need to know that the Holy Spirit is leading you sometimes without you even realising it. God will lead you down paths that He wants you to go down. If you're a businessman and you're a praying person, God is going to guide and direct your business. God is going to show you where to go. The Holy Spirit is doing a greater work in your life than you realise when you pray. It's step ordering. Decisions that you have to make. When you're talking about relational decisions, who you listen, if you're a young person here and you're unmarried, you need to be praying. You need to pray. God, I used to pray, God, shut down. God, I pray that you shut every door that might try and open a relationship that you don't want me in when I was single. I'm telling you, God, God did it. You gotta be, it's powerful when you pray. Pray for open doors, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but also pray and ask God for shut doors. So pray, I pray, God, that you would shut down this relationship. If it is not of you, I don't want it. God, I pray, shut down this business deal. If it's not of you, I don't want it. I don't want a part of it. It's step ordering. God will order your steps. I remember when I met Caressa. We, we, uh, we met in a, in a green room at a, at a, at a conference and, uh, and I'd been praying and, and, you know, for years and years that the right person would come along. And I've been praying and even when I met Caress, I continued. And I say this to young people, when you meet someone, you don't have to rush and get crazy and get married tomorrow. Take it one day at a time and each day pray and say, God, order, God and order my steps. Don't let other people tell you what you need to be doing when you need to be doing it. I had people tell me for years and years and years, you need to be getting married, you need to meet this person, you need to meet that person. Everywhere I would go to speak, there was, they had all these different people that wanted me to meet and you should go out for her with coffee and you should go out for her with dinner. I said, no, I just didn't feel, I didn't feel. And I used to say, no, 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 no. Because it, it wasn't something I felt God was leading me in. But then when I met Caressa, my wife, and now we're, we're married nearly three years and we've got a son, it, it, God ordered my steps there. It's, it, when you're a prayerful person, it's step ordering. I remember when I'd gone out for, uh, I, was, I took a crest and we, we'd organised to go for, uh, go for coffee during this conference. And, and so I was going to do a youth pastor session uh, and before and, and then after that, we we're going to go to coffee. And uh, so we had organised it and, and, uh, and it was just going to be just casual hanging out or whatever. And, and this was the first time I'd met Pastor Jensen. 
and, uh, and, and, and I had interviewed him for a, th- a TV thing on, 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 uh, on Christian TV before that. But obviously now the game's changed because I'm about to take his daughter for coffee. Praise Jesus. And, and so um, there I am and, and I'm sitting there and uh, I'm preparing the message. I'm about to do a little session with youth pastors. You know, Pastor Jensen was like the, the, the keynote speaker at this big conference. He was like the main deal. And I was just a young youth pastor about to do a message. Pastor Jensen, and, uh, and he starts slowly walking up to me in the green room. And I'm looking at my notes, trying to look as spiritual as I possibly could. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he slowly walks up to me and, uh, and he says, hey. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> and uh, he said, you're, uh, you're about to do a session. And I said, yeah, it's, it's just a session for youth pastors. And he just looks at me. Bear in mind, he's just found out I'm about to take his daughter out to coffee. He, and he just looks at me and says, I think I might come to your session. I want to shoot myself in the head. I prayed and I said, Lord Jesus, come now. Take me or him. Do either one, but do something. I get into this room, there's probably 200 youth pastors. It's a little session and and, and I'm talking. 10 minutes into the message, he's not there yet. 10 minutes into the message, I'm in the middle of speaking. This would be the equivalent. There's a side door. I'm in the middle of speaking. The door just creaks open. (laughs) And in walks Pastor Jensen with Caressa. With his host, he slowly just walks, cool as a cucumber, walks across the front, the silver fox of the preaching world, walks across, walks, walks across, right across here and sits right there in front of the whole session, just sits right there and just looks at me. I stopped preaching. I said to them, listen, if anything is going to throw you in the middle of a sermon, is Pastor Jensen walking in, in the middle of your session, sitting on the front row. And I made them all give him an applause for being there. And then I kept preaching, but I, I preached his message. And then, and then um, you know, after it, we, you know, we talk and, and I went and, and caught up with, with Caressa. I had coffee with Caressa. And, and after we had coffee, you know, we, we, I, was, I was praying with the Lord. Caressa rang her mum. After one day of coffee, Caressa rings her mum and says, I'm going to marry this guy. And uh, I thought she was crazy. I'm like, whoa, hey, let's just chill. <laughs> Come on, all the men are like, hey, <laughs> bro. I'm like, hey, hey. I mean, it was cool, but like, hey. <laughs> but what I'm so the point I'm making is we, Caressa and I, and I'm, it's, it's a long story, I'll make a long story short, but we go, you know, she got two days later. She goes on a plane, flies back to America. I'm living in Australia. Chris was 19 when I first went out to coffee with her. Don't judge. And, <laughs> and, uh, but what I'm saying is, Chris, she's making decisions. She's praying, saying, God, what do you want me to do? She's, she wants to go off and do college. I've got a ministry back in Australia. We're long, now we're doing long distance. We don't see each other. We're praying, saying, God. But all of the way through it, I'm praying, saying, Lord, guide and order our steps. Show us what to do. And the point of the story is we're here we are now, three years later. I'm here living in America, preaching, leading the church. We've got a son coming. But I'm saying if you're going through something that you don't know what is around the next corner, it's okay because the God you serve does know. And the Holy Spirit will guide you 
into where God wants you to be. And you're going to land. Listen, you are, if you're a praying person, you're going to land exactly where you need to be at the right time. Exactly where you need to be. Cressa was never going to go to Australia. It was a last minute decision that she made. Pastor Jensen said, I'm going to this conference. Do you want to come with me? He didn't have anyone traveling with him at that, at, on that trip. She said, sure, I'll go. So she went there. It was a last minute. I'm telling you, when you're a praying person, God will set you up and you're going to be in the right time at the right place for exactly what God has for you and what He's lined up for you. But you've got to be a praying person. As they start walking through, they start walking through. I love this. This verse has jumped at me. It said, when they passed the first and the second guard post, they came to an iron gate that leads to the city. This was the gate that was separating the prison from the city. You have the city on one side and the prison on the other. This is the only gate that this says this. They went through different gates to get to this point, but this is the only gate where it says when they came to this gate, the iron gate that leads to the city, it says this, which opened to them of its own accord. They didn't have to open it. That gate just opened up in front of them. When you're a praying person, prayer is door opening. There are doors, the Bible says that He's going to open doors, the Bible says that no man can shut. That there are things that you, maybe other people that are not praying and not believing are going to have to deal with and going to have to try and work out how we're going to open this door. But if you're a praying person, I want to tell you that God is going before you. He's making a way where there seems to be no way. And your prayers that you're praying are door opening. They're going to open doors and watch this and it's going to open up to you new ground and new territory in your life. That's what this signified. It signified a stepping into, stepping out of the prison, stepping into new ground and into new territory. And I want to declare that over your life for 2017. For anyone here that is have faith enough to grab a hold of it, that says, I'm believing for new ground. I'm believing for new territory. I'm about to step through a doorway that's about to open up brand new possibilities for my life. It's door opening. It's also chain breaking. It said that the angel spoke to him and look at what happened. The angel spoke and said, arise. And it says the chains came off. The angel spoke to Peter's position first. The angel didn't say, speak. the angel didn't speak to chains. The angel could have spoken to chains and said, I, I, I break the chain. But the angel spoke to Peter and said, get up, said, arise. It speaks to us of our position, how powerful your position is. When you understand your position in who you are in Christ Jesus and the power you have, you won't have to worry about breaking chains. Chains will fall off you because nothing has enough power to hold you down when you recognise who you are in Jesus Christ. And I want to speak to some of you. It's time for you to just simply get up and simply believe and simply declare, recognise who you are. Stop sitting down praying for chains to break. Get up and start walking in the promise of God for your life and walk in the victory that Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Someone thank Him because you're a victor through Jesus Christ. You don't pray from a position of defeat. You pray from a position of victory. God's already done it in your life. Jesus did it on the cross. I'm about to close real quickly. It's miracle releasing. 
It's miracle releasing. I feel it. I feel something in my in my spirit. And I'm not, you know, I'm trying to hype you. Prayer is the pathway that God's power walks down. It releases miracles, what they were praying for. What they were praying for showed up at the gate. But look at what happened. They were praying for something. And we talked about it earlier. This little girl ran. This little girl heard Peter's voice. And she comes running back with a word. And the word was, Peter's here. Now look at what is happening here. The praying people couldn't believe because what they were praying for hadn't manifested itself to them yet in the natural. If you want to see the miracle you're praying for, you've got to know what it is to put faith in a word before the miracle becomes manifest. Do you hear what I'm saying? The little girl didn't bring the miracle. If she had brought the miracle, that would have been easy. She could have brought Peter and said, listen, Peter's here. And then they started praising God. But she didn't. She just brought a word that Peter was coming. And if you want to be someone that walk in the miracle that God is releasing to you, you've got to know what it is to praise God just off of a word in knowing that the word is going to lead to the miracle. If you follow the Word, see the little girl had the Word. If if they had to follow that little girl straight away, it would have led to the miracle straight away. But they waited and they held back. I'm told this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when the preacher gets up and says it's the year of breakthrough. That's your Word. Now you might not get breakthrough right there, but are you someone that'll say, you know what? I still need a breakthrough. It didn't happen when the preacher said it, but that's my Word that I'm about to grab a hold of and I'm gonna run this Word down to the gate to receive my miracle this year. When the preacher says, when the preacher says, or you read something in the Word that says you're blessed, you might look and say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not blessed yet. Where's my, where is it manifest? I wanna say, grab that Word. Crap, get that Word in your spirit. I grabbed that in my spirit this year. I said, man, baby, we're blessed. God, I'm telling you, God, it, straight, it hit something in my heart and I started to rejoice and praise God over something that hadn't happened yet because I was putting faith in the Word. See, the Bible says that we need to steward. Faithful with the little is faithful with the much. You're believing for much, but God says, how well will you steward the little? If you want a big breakthrough, will you steward a little word? And will you say, God, give me that word. I'm going to grab a hold of it and I'm going to pray over it and I'm going to declare blessing and I'm going to be up all night praying and fasting and believing you are stewarding the word. And if you steward the word, if you honour the word, see, they didn't actually honour this little girl. That's what it was. They just, you're mad, you're crazy. There's too many people that miss out on their miracle and their breakthrough because they won't honour the Word. When that preacher or that, that friend of yours, if that friend says, listen, I'm praying over you, I'm believing you're going to have a year of blessing. When that, when that someone gets alongside you and says, you know what, I'm believing that your kids are going to come back to the Lord this year. Do you, are you someone just throws it off and says, oh, whatever. You dishonour the Word that God is bringing to you and you hold back the miracle. 
I want to encourage you, if you grab it, Caressa and I've got to close, I promise. This time last year, Caressa, what she was praying for and what she was believing for was that we would get pregnant. She was, she was not pregnant. We'd been trying and it wasn't happening and she was getting discouraged. And, and she's praying this time last year on the fast, she's praying that she'll get pregnant. We'd been going during the fast, first week of the fast, we were going to this smoothie place. And, uh, and, and we might do next, next week as well downstairs, we might have some little sample, smoothie samples for people to grab on the way out, which would be good. Praise Jesus. Come on, anything in your stomach's good at this point. And we're praying. And, and, uh, and so we go to this, this smoothie place. And so we're at the smoothie place and Chris is there waiting for the smoothies. And so I, I, I went to get coffee and uh, I said, I'll come back here. I go to get coffee and I come back and I walk up to the smoothie place and I see Caressa is standing in the middle of the smoothie place. And one of her divine leaders is standing in front of her. They're both holding hands and they're both crying. Now, if you're a husband, you know, I'm talking about you look at that and you're like, oh, dear Jesus, this is either really good or really bad. You know, a crying wife. And I walk up and, and they're crying and then they're hugging and crying, whatever. And, and she leaves and... and uh, and I said to Chris, I'm like, baby, what, what's going on? And she said, that is so crazy. And I said, what? And she said, I've been praying, you know, I'm praying. And I prayed this week for the fast. And I said, God, give me a word. God, show me we want to fall pregnant. That's what she's praying for, that, that she would fall pregnant. His divine leader said to her, listen, I was driving past. I've never been to this smoothie place before in my life. I was driving past. And last night I had a dream and God showed me a vision of you. He's speaking to Caressa. And the divine leader said, I saw you standing there and I saw the Holy Spirit had illuminated your womb. Look at this. And she said, I saw a blue light around your womb that was lit up. And I prayed to the Holy Spirit and I said, Lord, if that is you and you want me to share this with Caressa, then I want you to set up a divine appointment. I want you to set up that I would just by chance just bump into it. She said the next day, this, is, this was the next day this happened. She said, I'm driving past this place and I felt like the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, go into this smoothie place and get a smoothie. She'd never been there before in her life. And she said to Cressa, she said, I walked in here and I saw you standing here by yourself in this smoothie place. And the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this picture and this vision. We walked out of that smoothie place and we're, we're four days into the fast. Cressa looks at me and says, my fast is over. I'm done. I got." I said, shut up. It's 21 days. She said, forget 21 days. I just got my Word and now I'm grabbing a hold of my Word. I know my miracle's coming. Somebody praise God if you got a Word. Praise God if He told you something's about to happen in your family. Come on, praise God if there's blessing at the gate. Praise God if there's a breakthrough coming for your life. Right across this room, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to begin to praise God off a word. And as we worship now, thank Him like He's already done. Thank Him like He's at the gate. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.